Delano's Top of the Week. Well, back after a short break last week uh, for the bank holiday, we are joined by Delano in the studio again. And Cordula is with us today to talk us through uh, a story that's in the news, look at some events that are upcoming in Luxembourg, and then there's always a personal pick at the end. Morning, Cordula. Morning, how are you doing, Tom? I'm good. Did you have a good break? I did. It feels like a very long time ago. Yeah, well, it was last week, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All the relaxation has already evaporated. (laughs) Um, so today we're talking about this uh, new mobility plan that we heard a little bit about in the um, local and national news there. Uh, the government on Friday presented uh, its 2035 National Mobility Plan, or MOJU 3.0. Uh, what, what exactly is it? So it's a sort of comprehensive infrastructure and uh, transport plan. It follows a similar strategy, which was called MOJU 2.0, um, that was published in 2018. Um, and the motto of MOJU 2.0 was achieving transport together. Uh, there was a lot of emphasis on like, car sharing, public transport, working with sort of citizen communes, but also companies and schools on transport projects. Um, and with Modu 3.0, we're looking at using infrastructure more efficiently is the motto of it. Um, and so there's a big emphasis on what they call multi or intermodal transport. Um, so how do different transport networks connect? So road, rail, bike, public transport, and just to make yeah journeys quicker and easier for passengers. Um, and it's sort of looking at urban areas, the connections between them, um, also taking sort of acknowledging that people in rural areas might need a car and not have access to to public transport as much um and so the overall need is to you know anticipate what will transport look like by 2035 uh, what do we need and how do we get there so is it anticipated that there will be these um these increased connections necessary like why why did why is this strategy come at this point now so if we look at um luxembourg's population growth by um, 2035, uh, uh, projections are that Luxembourg will have more than 700,000 inhabitants. We're currently at around 645,000. And that's not including cross-border workers, which obviously they also have transport needs. They need to get into the country to work. Um, so overall, they've estimated that mobility needs are set to increase by 40% um, by sort of the horizon of the strategy. And at the same time, Luxembourg needs to really reduce emissions from transport to meet its climate targets. So it has enshrined in law that by 2030, it needs to reduce emissions by 55% and become climate neutral by mid-century. And for transport, that sort of that initial goal for 2030, which is really only eight years away, um, means cutting emissions by 57%, which is quite substantial. Um, and I think we all know sort of how what a nightmare traffic can be in Luxembourg. Um, so you kind of have to see it in connection with, with these laws, with other strategies, for example, Luxembourg in Transition, um, which is dedicated to reforming spatial planning. So how do we use the land that's available for housing, business, industry, agriculture, and the infrastructure that needs to connect all of this? Um, so that's kind of where where that strategy comes from. And the previous strategy from 2018 just doesn't sort of take that horizon into account anymore. So we needed something that goes beyond what we've had up until now. Okay, and so what are some of the projects uh, that they've they've got planned for this new plan? So not everything in the strategy is new. Um, there are projects that are already underway. So, for example, the extension of the tram towards Esch or also a new Bettenberg uh, train line. Um, but there are also some very sort of concrete targets now. Uh, so by 2035, they want um, sort of the share that individual car use takes in transport to go down to 31%. It's currently at 51 um, 
the number of people sort of sharing cars or the car sharing should take up 22% of, of transport, up from 19. Um, public transport should increase. Um, they also want uh, more areas to, to be accessible to pedestrians. And then probably most dramatically, because right now cycling is only accounts for 2% of transport, um, and they want this to increase to 11%, um, which is obviously quite a, a big jump. And um, so to achieve this, you know, we're looking at more park and ride facilities, um, allowing people from rural areas to get into the vicinity of urban centres, but then, for example, switch to public transport or a bike. Um, train stations are being upgraded to accommodate larger trains. Um, there will be a review of, of the sort of the train network, the bus network. Um, again, you know, some of this has already has already begun. Um, but um, yeah, we're looking at... As I said, probably the most ambitious plan and something that people will have lots of expectations about is cycling um, and really creating cycling infrastructure that um, separates roads from sort of cycling lanes. Cycle from ridge. Yeah, exactly. To have proper cycle infrastructure, because I think it's one of the criticisms that, you know, you have these cycling lanes that just sort of stop somewhere or you're right next to sort of buses and cars. And um, and the strategy, actually, when you look at the document, it, it acknowledges that Luxembourg really is actually just behind other cities in Europe and has a lot of catching up to do. Um, and that includes, that goes down to sort of issues such as having bike storage in, in residential buildings. Um, so really, I think the, the big drive will be on, on, or the newer drive will be on cycling, because a lot is already being done for rail. Um, mm. Luxembourg is one of the highest investors per capita in rail infrastructure in Europe. Um, so there's a lot going on there already. Um, and looking at the strategy, it now looks like cycling will really, there will be a bigger emphasis on cycling. Have they already announced the budget for this plan? So there's no overall price tag um, because some of the projects are already ongoing and others will need to be planned and financed. Um, depending on the scale of the project, there are different procedures. Uh, so for any project worth more than 40 million euros, um, the government must present a financing bill to parliament, which then must approve the project. Um, and smaller projects can simply be sort of incorporated in the regular annual budget, um, which is passed in parliament anyways as a whole. Um, so there isn't like a, you know, this project will cost X million euros, um, but it's, yeah, well, we, I think we'll, we'll see over the years what projects will sort of concretely come out of this um, and how much they will cost. Okay, so this is all uh, to happen by 2035. I guess there'll be changes that we'll kind of see gradually coming into effect in our daily lives as we commute. Exactly. And it also it already kind of at the at the end of the strategy, there's already kind of an outlook of like, what do we need by 2040? Mm -hmm. uh, so looking at sort of the next five year horizon, um, which then since we have elections next year, um, uh, potentially, you know, a different or a new government. Um, and by, by 2035, we'll have plenty of elections. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is already this kind of, uh, yeah, this horizon to say, all right, this is 2035. But what do we need beyond that? Um, just to anticipate the needs and not be sort of constantly catching up, um, which is, I think, what's been happening sort of over the past years is that, you know, the country just sort of grew and grew and um, the government is kind of running behind uh, that growth. And now it's really about anticipating what do we need um, in the next couple of decades. Okay. Well, uh, thanks very much for that. We're going to go to track now. And when we come back, we will uh, have a look at some of the events that you've earmarked for our listeners to look forward to in Luxembourg this week. Sounds good. That's the Psychedelic Furs and Love My Way on Iris City Radio. We are back in the studio with Cordula from Delano. Uh, we're currently doing Delano's Top of the Week and we're about to look at some events uh, that Cordula's picked out for you guys to look forward to in Luxembourg this week. What have we got first up? 
So tomorrow evening, Tuesday, there is a concert at the Philharmonie by a string ensemble called Simply Quartet, which has been named as one of the rising stars of the classical music scene. And they will be performing a selection of works by Mozart, Lachastrofa and uh, Dvorak. Um, and yeah, so they've been nominated as uh, rising stars as part of a concert series that's organized by the European Concert Hall organization, which the Philharmonie is part of. And so they will be performing at uh, 7.30 p.m. tomorrow. Tickets from philharmonie.lu, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Up next. So there's um, this thing called the Lux Audience Awards, which is the European Parliament together with the European Film Academy. They organize these awards and um, people from across Europe can vote for their favorite film. There's a selection of three films nominated and they're being screened in Luxembourg between the 28th of April and the 5th of May. Um, so the first screening is um, on Thursday at 7 p.m. at Kinepolis in Kirchberg and um, it's Quo Vadis Aida, which is a film about a translator in 1995 uh, Bosnia in the town of uh, Srebrenica, which then became yeah. Yeah, the, the site of the, the massacre um, that month. And um, yeah, so it sort of follows the, the journey of this translator. She, she navigates that, um, that event and the, the, the lead up to it. Um, so yeah, that's on, that's on Thursday. And then there's two more films, um, which are being shown on the 3rd of May, Flea, which was also on during the film festival, um, uh, an animated docudrama about a refugee from Afghanistan. And then the last film is called Great Freedom, which is on on the 5th of May, um, which is, tells the story of a man in prison for homosexuality in post-war Germany. And then once you've seen all of these, you can vote on your favorite. Um, okay. But but yeah, the lineup starts this week. All right. And uh, is that from Kinepolis? Kin is that where you get tickets for that one? Or um, You can actually uh, book tickets in advance online. And if you go to luxaward.eu, because um, tickets are free. Okay. Um, so, but you have to book a seat. Uh, so if you go to luxaward.eu, and you can also find uh, the, the event details on delano.lu on our events agenda. Okay, great. And the final event for people to look forward to? The final event is the Rambon City Nature Challenge, uh, which takes place uh, next weekend. So if you're planning ahead, um, it's the seventh edition. And uh, so Rambon, the cider makers, um, they have sort of a couple of days out in their orchards um, with sort of uh, different activities to discover nature. Um, there's also, it includes experts from the Luxembourg Institute of Science and Technology, um, who will also, you know, talk about biodiversity biodiversity and how technology can sort of help protect nature um, so yeah it's uh, there's food there's drink um, maybe it's a outdoorsy. bit of free cider <laughs> <laughs> um, you would hope yeah uh, um, uh, yeah so it's just a sort of fun family friendly um, outdoor event next weekend brilliant and all of these events can be found on the agenda section of the Delana website uh, finally we've got a personal pick from you uh, what have you chosen this week um, my pick is a book uh, which is called Breasts and Eggs by Miko uh, Kawakami, a Japanese author. It's not exactly a new book. It was actually released in 2020, but I've only just gone around to reading it. It's been on my shelf for quite a while. Um, it was initially a short novella. Um, and the, so the book is split into two parts. And the first bit is about um, a sort of woman in her late 20s who lives in uh, Tokyo and her older sister and their do her daughter um, come to visit her and her older sister wants to um, have her breasts done uh, and is sort of in town to look at uh, different uh, plastic clinics. Surgeons, yeah. yeah. Um, and her, her teenage daughter no longer talks to her, only writes her notes in like a notebook. Um, and so that, that whole family dynamic is at the center of the first part, which was initially released as a novella. And then sort of following that was very successful in Japan and uh, the author then wrote uh, a second part 
to the novel, which is now sort of included in the in the edition, um, which is set 10 years later, um, in which that original sort of narrator, she's now in her late 30s, and um, she wants to have a baby, but she's single, and uh, you cannot get artificial insemination as a single woman in Japan. And that second part really explores questions of sort of womanhood, um, what it means to be a parent, do we have a right to just decide to have a kid? Um, and yeah, explores also just, so yeah, questions around womanhood and um, fertility and all of this. It's really, it's really interesting. It's a food for thought. Um, it's obviously quite a bit of a very sort of specific to, to Japan and that cultural background. Um, but I think there's quite a few questions uh, more broadly um, about, um, yeah, being a woman and what happens if you decide not to be a mother and does that make you any less of a woman and so on. So that's Breast and Eggs by, what was the name of the author again? Uh, Miko Kawakami. Great. And if you like that, she already has a new book out, so... All right. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll post uh, the name and, and maybe a link to the book on the interview, which we'll be uploading to our website after this. Thanks so much for coming in this week, Cordula. Uh, we will uh, be back next Monday with either you or one of your colleagues for another Top of the Week. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much.